Oh god, is the mic on? Yeah, it is. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Oh, you already said record it. <laughs> Welcome back to Rules is Written. Welcome to Rules is Written. Ah, the d podcast where we tell you the rules as they are written. Today. Today. Jinx, one, two, three, you can't speak. The podcast is mine now. <laughs> John, John, John. <laughs> you win. Okay, we are going to be talking about downtime activities. Downtime activities. What is a downtime activity? Yeah, so this is something that we have avoided for a while because it's a beefy subject. Yeah, it's a big one. It's a big topic. Yeah, but it comes up in every campaign. I mean, you're not always out adventuring. You're not always beating up bad guys. Mm -hmm. There's there's always time between the violence for a little bit of love and carousing. (laughs) So, what, what what is downtime? So, downtime is when you want to spend the time between your adventures doing something directed. You're you're spending your energy and your money in a directed way to accomplish something. Yeah, chances are there'll be some time between story beats where not much going on and you're in a town that you know quite well or maybe you've just arrived to a new city and you wanna do some things and have a look about. There's a few different options here. The first thing is there's a list of them in the player's handbook and a list of them in the Dungeon Master Guides. Right, so before we actually talk about the activities themselves, we should talk about lifestyle expenses. What's lifestyle expenses, JT? <laughs> lifestyle expenses are just an amount of money, basically, that you spend in your daily upkeep of personhood. So like, if you're a noble person, you'll be spending something more like 10 gold per day on living. Yeah, it's a huge amount. Or if you're rigid. You get to spend nothing. Because <laughs> life yeah. is already terrible. So the lowest amount you can spend is one silver piece? Nothing, if you're rigid. Well, yeah, but then you're not spending. Okay. Yeah, one silver piece. Okay, cool, cool, cool. So what kind of things does the player's handbook suggest? So for downtime activities, it depends on, I guess, where you are as a person and where the story is as a game. You can do things like crafting, practicing a profession, recuperating, researching, and training. These are the things that the books recommends. Okay, so let's start with let's start with recuperating because I think that's the most natural one. You've just come out of a dungeon. You've just done a lot of things. How do you get some R and R? Recuperating. This isn't the same as like long rest or short rest. So this will be something that's more like you currently have some kind of debilitating disease or oh. injury. <laughs> Ow! <laughs> and this is how you get better from that or poison. Ow! <laughs> so how do you get better from that? So this is actually pretty. It's maybe the most straightforward one, I think. Okay. So you spend three days of downtime at the end of which you can make a DC 15 constitution saving throw. On a successful save, you can either choose to end one effect on you that prevents you from regaining hit points, or for the next 24 hours, you have advantage on saving throws against some kind of disease or poison that's currently affecting you. Okay, Yeah. fair enough. So you can, you can rest down while maybe some of your party shops around for an antidote. Yeah, this seems actually more like a Dire Straits type of deal. <laughs> where, like, things are really bad. <laughs> okay, what about crafting then? Okay, crafting, I think this is something that 
almost everybody tries to do at some point. Yeah. And I think that it's something that's kind of difficult to imagine the boundaries of which from like a player's standpoint. Or yeah, I think everyone ends. imagines themselves creating the fabled lost sword of yeah. kings. Or just like anything that's like not the starting equipment. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so like here's like an avenue for you to do that and the rules are pretty straightforward. You have to just spend an amount of days and gold to craft something. Okay. Yeah. And typically it will also require proficiency with some kind of tools like artisans or smiths. Okay, so where do you find the like the costs and times? So you find out the value of the item that you're trying to craft first. Mm -hmm. And then you divide that value by five gold pieces. And that will be the amount of days that it will take to craft that item. Okay. Because you're working in five gold increments. That's kind of like the established amount of value that you can create in a day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll come back to that kind of thought process <laughs> later. Increments. So you can just create anything? They don't give any limitations to this in the book. I guess it's up it's to the DM. Non-magical right. items yeah. and objects. So I do think that that's something that it does make a mention though of the kinds of people and equipment that you'll need. Right. Okay. Even if you have smith's tools, you can't make a thing of plate armor without a forge. Yeah. You need to have whatever raw materials I think and this is, equipment. Yeah, I think this is also something that your DM will be heavily adjudicating. Yeah, and actually... So if you've got no background in smithing, you're like, I want to make a helmet. It's like, <laughs> mm, find <Okay>. a trainer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think that that's an opportunity to work with your DM in a way that could be pretty fun. Mm. and profitable. Okay, that's pretty cool. Also, at the end of this, each piece of downtime, for the most part, that you'll do, uh, this is where the lifestyle expenses comes into play. So mm. some of them will require certain amounts of lifestyle expenses, and some of them will relieve you of that. Okay. Crafting relieves you of that nice. for some reason. So you can maintain a modest lifestyle without having to pay any amount of money per day, or a comfortable lifestyle with half of that cost. I guess the idea is that you're selling your shit, or I don't know. I guess because you're spending so much time working, you're not like not hungry. trying to fill the time I, with okay. other things, I guess. Yeah, maybe that makes sense. Practicing a profession. Practicing a profession, this is just making money. This is like, I want to work a job. <laughs> <laughs> so that's basically, I mean, that's basically it. You can either just work, I guess, odd jobs, you know, between adventures, and this will pay you one gold piece per day. I'm sure that your DM could also just kind of like finagle things when yeah. pending. Yeah. Um, the second is if you're a member of an organization that can provide gainful employment, like a temple or a thieves guild or other kinds yeah, of Yeah, so you, I mean, leave it into your story. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're a member of one of those things, then you earn enough to support a comfortable lifestyle instead. Neat. Yeah. a few gold. It's just like you can make some money on the side. This is working your odd jobs and stuff. Yeah. Okay, so lastly, researching and training. Right. Researching is maybe a little bit more story provocative. Okay. So this will be something where you want to understand some kind of grand mystery on something or mm. unlock the secrets of some fabled thingy doodle. <laughs> you know? Um, this is maybe the squishiest one because it takes an ambiguous amount of days to complete. There's not really any set amount of time that any particular thing that you're researching should take. 
Okay. So I think that this is maybe one of the more heavy DM work type yeah. of things. But it does cost an additional one gold piece per day of researching. <laughs> Uh, I on feel top like of your put this stuff in just so it's there. Yeah, just so it, it's like it's, it's not free. Like, yeah, it's all gonna be so DM dependent and like what information are you researching? How yeah. rare is it? How difficult is it to find? Where are you going to find this information? One JP <laughs> <laughs> What's the last one? Training. Training. So then this is also maybe the more straightforward one. Mm -hmm. Training is when you work with an instructor who's willing to teach you mm -hmm. for 250 days one gp per day after which you can be proficient with some new language or tool cool yeah <laughs> i like how it's 250 days no more no, no less. less not a single goddamn day <laughs> i feel like you could like modify that by your intelligence modifier I guess it really depends, because maybe it depends on the kind of tool, or the kind of... Maybe your intelligence, sure. you big smart brain boy, you can learn Yeah, maybe faster. you can like half the time if you've got an intelligence of 20, and yeah. it's like double the time if you've got an intelligence of 5. <laughs> yeah. Oh, an important thing to note as well with all of these is that they don't have to be consecutive days, but you do have to spend 8 hours on a day in order for it to count as a day. You know, that's a lot of time. Yeah, it's like a, yeah, it's like a full-time job worth of... Time. I could learn a language quicker than that. <laughs> 250 days. Yeah. Yeah, I guess enough to like circle it on your little proficiency. <laughs> I also like, though, that yeah, it doesn't really matter which language. I like to imagine that it should be more difficult to learn some languages than others. Yeah, like if you you're know? learning Elvish, it should it's be like, like that's oh, not that bad. Okay, right? but if you're learning like, like abyssal. Deep speech. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, so that's, that's the ones in the player's handbook. Yeah. But that's not all. Oh, it continues. I have the DMG. Okay, I guess the natural question is, what if the things that I want to do aren't listed in these six specific activities? Well, there's a good chance it's listed in the DMG. The DMG has downtime activities that I think are more interacting with the world as opposed to interacting with you as a character. Mm -hmm. The first one is building a stronghold. So that oh, interacts that with the like world. fun. <laughs> yeah, so this happens in, I'd say about 80% of games I play. I want to make a fort. Yep, people want to make a fort. So the first thing to know about this is that you need land. You need land. Yeah, land. right, right. Yeah, so is there like a definitive process to doing something like this? There is nothing definitive. Okay. They don't lay down this is how you do it, but there's a lot of suggestions given. People inherit land, you can buy land, you can get it through doing deeds and stuff. You'll probably need a royal charter saying that the land is yours. Okay. There's prices given. A small estate might sell for as little as a hundred gold, but a large estate could sell for 5,000 or more. Now, that price sounds quite low when you look at the prices of what you're going to build on it. If you want an abbey, it's going to cost you 50,000 gold. <laughs> that kind of makes sense, right? Yeah. I feel like land should be more valuable, but once uh, you've got the land... Like back in the time where there's just a whole lot of just dirt everywhere, <laughs> right? And it's like really just putting the stone on the dirt that takes all the work. Yeah. So basically there is a list of things you can build. It doesn't say what you can do with that list or how you interact with these towers, buildings, castles. Mm. That's really up to DM how they weave into the story. If you are more of a numbers and maths guy, there's a load of homebrew stuff on the internet for, there's a very, very good one 
called like Castles and Followers or something. Forts and Followers, I don't know. Something like that, uh, that goes into excruciating detail about every aspect of your stronghold. Okay, so then you can have some kind of tangible benefits for it. Yeah, yeah. Or you can just go the Monty Python route and act like the French guy on top of it. <laughs> <laughs> You're the only one there yeah. in the whole thing. <laughs> go away, Dirty kniggets. <laughs> Um, so you need to secure laborers and building materials to do this thing. That's a whole other kerfuffle. That's just left up to the DM. And it takes, for example, an abbey takes 50,000 gold and 400 days. But for every day you're away, it adds three days. So it's gonna be four times as long. It's gonna be 1,200 days if you build it when you're away. What is the thinking of that though? That like they have all of these questions that they want to ask you about like You're not the... being direct I don't know, can you employ someone to direct? Again, yeah. it's all down to the DM. I mean surely I can find someone who's better at like, you know, architecture than The I. palace or large castle is 500,000 gold per day and 1,200 days. Oh, that's the goal. Yeah, so <laughs> I mean, go nuts, build things. I think the theme for all of these downtime activities is it's very campaign dependent. Does that, can we translate that also to like building shops and markets and things? Uh, we can. Start a bakery? We'll come back to that okay. in a second. Okay. The next thing that it gives is carousing. Now I love carousing. It's a fantastic way to create plot points, thread hooks, and all kinds of nibbles and novels that will come back to bite you in the butt. Ew. When you're carousing, you've got to spend money as though maintaining the wealthy lifestyle. And once you finish carousing, there is a percentile chart to determine what happens. Now you're meant to add the character's level and there's seven things that can happen depending on the percentage you roll. They're pretty cool. You can be thrown in prison, you can make some gold, you can fall in love, gambling, that kind of stuff. But if you Google more carousing tables, yeah, you'll get hundreds yeah. of options. This only has seven, so it's quite limited. What I used to do is I had four different carousing tables from various corners of the internet. So I'd make everyone roll a D4, and then that selects which carousing table they're rolling, and then roll the D100 to oh. select what happens exactly. I see, that's pretty So fun. you've got 400 options yeah. of things. So yeah, there's loads and loads of stuff. Look those up, I think it's much better than the carousing here. Next is crafting a magical item. Now it follows some of the same kind of rules, basic right. theory as crafting, but it's pretty difficult to craft a magical item. So what are the main differences? And First of all, it? you have to be magical yourself. You have to have spell slots. Okay. And you've got, kind of got to do some equivalent math. There's a little crafting magic items table, which tells you the level you need to be. So common is third, uncommon is third, rare is sixth, very rare is 11th, and legendary is 17th. There is a creation cost tied with each, 100 GP for common, 500 for uncommon, and then it goes up by orders of magnitude up to 500,000 GP at legendary. Mm. When you're creating a magical item, you've got to be able to cast the spell if the magical item can cast a spell. For example, if you're making a wand of magic missile, you have to be able to cast magic missile to create okay. that item. And you, you've got to do some kind of equivalent kajiggery. If you're creating a plus one weapon, which is just a weapon that gives you plus one to your rolls. Glows a little bit. Um, you look up the item rarity and then run off that. Okay. Um, and yeah, you, you can find out 
how much other things cost and if you can make them by just finding equivalent things and kind of working it out and configuring it. Gotcha. They also say that you might need special supplies or special locations to make some things. Okay, so that would mean something like getting some strange gem or something from yeah, some weird I mean, place? Yeah, I mean, could be literally anything. Mm. You could have something like a wand of cone of cold, so maybe it can cast cone of cold for you, but you've got to create it on top of a mountain or anywhere that's like minus 20 degrees or something. Mm, you gotta get that Fiji water. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Now, similar to crafting, you have to do this in 25 GP increments, which sounds okay for a common item because it takes four days to make an uncommon 20 days. But when you get to legendary, which is 500,000 mm, GP, maybe a little bottleneck. That's 20,000 days. <laughs> that's 54 years to create a legendary, and you've got to spend eight hours a day on it. Like, you've got to commit to this. Luckily, we did talk about the druids class level 20 feature where <laughs> they don't they, age. Yeah, they stop aging. They still die though. <laughs> so yeah, you need to make sure that you've got all the stuff to do this. If you're creating something that can cast spells, you need to use that spell every day. Like you need to use a spell slot every day to create it. Components are consumed each day. Again, this is all stuff that I think is very tweakable by the mm. DM. You can have your friends help you. They can contribute 25 GP worth of effort, but they have to also be contributing the spells and spell slots and components and all that. So, right, so you're not you can't have the barbarian yeah. help you. Yeah. Not the fighter, not the rogue. Yeah. So you can basically create anything that is in the treasure section of the DMG. So have a little look at that. But you can also design your own. There's a whole Dungeon Masters workshop for designing magical items. You can just look at that, create it through that. Okay. Yeah. That's really it. It's got the same lifestyle caveats as the crafting. You could do it without having to pay the one gold to live a comfortable or it's half the normal price, same stuff. Gotcha. It feels like there's kind of different classes of magic items in the sense where there's like the plus one sword and like the wand of magic missile on one end where it's like, that's a pretty straightforward thing. Mm. And then there's like the screaming lockpick or something. Like, you know, something like really weird. Unique effects and things. Yeah. yeah. So, so that's up like, to the DM to like find out what kind of spells they would have to would be Would you using. go basically on like the uh, value of it and then maybe the type of magic or something? Yeah. Mm. Or you could have something like if you're doing a screaming lockpick, you could have to be use like the alarm spell. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, get, like, you gotta get creative. Yeah, find yeah. something equivalent. The next few things kind of, they come as a pair. Gaining renown. So if you're part of an organization, you can socialize with the members equal to the number of days of your current renown multiplied by 10, and then you get one level of renown. So renown is a customizable mechanic. There's no min max levels of renown. It's kind of like, they recommend it to be out of 20, and it's just kind of like your level in a guild. So there's there's no strict rules set to this, but if you're running a game with like a thieves guild, you can gain your renown in the thieves guild by socializing with them. So what's the tangible effect of a renown score? All depends. All depends on what your DM, maybe you get benefits as you go up, like that's up to the DM to design the organization. Okay, so then that will have to be in a campaign where you have things like guilds. 
yeah. stuff. Or I mean anything, like you could have a King's Guard or anything, mm. any organization you're a part of. Mm. Speaking of organizations, you can also perform sacred rites. This is quite a cool one. If you're a priest at a temple, you can lead these rites, like weddings and funerals. You can even assist priests and things if maybe you're not fully ordained into the temple. And if you spend 10 days doing this rites, you gain inspiration at the start of each day for 2d6 days. Well, because you see that love is real. <laughs> so yeah, on or average death. six days, you get six days of inspiration. You've got to spend 10 days performing rites. Yeah, okay. It's not awful if you've got a long time it's it's a good buff to have consistently mm. the next big thing is running a business now this I think is the most popular thing everyone ends up buying a bakery or inheriting a smithy I had a friend who I played with who wanted to uh, start a beauty pageant <laughs> so... <laughs> yeah there's always something basically once you have the business it kind of runs without you is the idea you can help them you roll a percentile dice and you add the number of days that you spend running the business, helping out the business. And then there's a table, which is you earn money, you lose money, it's cool, you get some gold. What, what are we looking at here? Like, does it give you some examples of how much money you can get from this? So at the lowest end, you've got to pay the business's full maintenance cost for each day, which is not given. It's That's just it's kind just an of unprofitable like- unprofitable business. You're yeah. running Uber over there. <laughs> <laughs> if you have unpaid debt, you get a minus 10 to this roll. At the top end, it earns a profit of 3d10 times 5. Okay. Each day. Could be quite a lot then. Cover all of the expenses you use when you're making magic items and stuff. Yeah. So you must pay half the business maintenance costs for each of this day. Profits cover the other cost. Uh, you must pay one and a half times the maintenance costs if you really fuck up. It's just that kind of stuff. Is there like a way to invest in the business and make it better? No. Like nothing in the DMG, which I think is kind of sad as I turn this page. <laughs> but again, this is where homebrew comes through. There's tons and tons of homebrew stuff, very professionally right. done to really micromanage this. I was in a game where my friend was running one and we wanted to start an import-export business. Mm. Um, and that was pretty cool. It was like pursuing ships, purchasing goods, rates and all these, and he had like a stock market, basically. Yeah, right. So yeah. I guess it's just like how deep you want to get into it. Yeah, yeah. So read the room. Don't get super deep into it if they don't care, but it's there if you want it. Yeah, I think don't maybe- force them into it. Well, actually, that's like a common theme, I think, with a lot of these downtime activities as well, is that in the end, like, D&D is a collaborative group game. Yeah, so it, don't soak up an hour of your two-hour playtime microing your business while everyone sits there doing nothing. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, like, if I think ideally you could do one of these super fun things with other people and include them in a way that can be, like, really productive and fun. Mm. But, I mean, even if they don't want to be a part of that, then maybe there's some ways that you can kind of put this in that doesn't sideline everyone else in the game. Yeah, so the last three things we're gonna blast through because we're running out of time a little bit. Selling magical items. So, first of all, you can't sell everything and selling magical items is very difficult because it's very hard to find buyers. That's something that you need to get through your players' heads uh. quite quickly. There's a set amount of base price for each rank. So it's kind of like, like a black market type of thing? Or no, just like... no, it can just be a legit thing, although it has the option of being a black market. Basically, you select an item, 
work out which level it is, common, uncommon, rare, very rare. It gives it a base price and days to find a buyer. So you roll a D4, D6, D8 or D10 to find a buyer. You can sell multiple magical items at the same time and you don't have to add them onto each other. Like they all kind of stack together nicely. And you make an intelligence check, a DC 20 intelligence check uh, to see if you succeed because you just might not. So DC 20 intelligence Yeah, check. It's, it's quite a difficult one. Does this go up with the value of the item you're trying to sell? No, you're just, it's always a flat DC 20. So if you're trying to sell a common item, DC 20 intelligence check to find a buyer. Wild. Yeah, magical items are rare and valuable and a lot of people just don't want to deal with them. So when you come to sell the item, you roll a percentile dice and there is a selling magical items table. This is how much the buyer is offering. One tenth, a quarter, half, full price. You've only got a 10% chance of a full price. You also have a 10% chance of a shady buyer offering one and a half times price, but it's up to your DM how that comes to bite you in the ass later. Mm -hmm. And this is modified by the level of item that you're selling. Okay. So a very rare, you get a minus 20 to that roll. So flatly, you're not going to be getting full price for a very rare item. However, you do get to add your charisma persuasion to it. Okay. So you just make a check and you just add that whole number. So with a good charisma persuasion, you can offset your minus. Mm. Last two things are sowing rumors. Again, this is very DM dependent. So what is an objective that you would want to accomplish by sowing a rumor first? Very, very story-based. Let's say there's a king who you're trying to discredit or you're trying to turn an like against an advisor or something. Or maybe you, you got like kind of gypped on a price from a merchant and you're like, <laughs> you just wanna, you just wanna get him arrested yeah. or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, your goals are your own really. Okay. There's a set amount of days, depending on if it's a village, town or city. It's either 2d6, 4d6 or 66 days. You spend that time sowing rumors. And how that comes out is up to you, up to your DM, what goals you're trying to accomplish. So, At the end of the time, you've got to take a deception or persuasion check, and, and that, that depends will, how successful you are. Okay, so that will tell you whether or not you succeeded in selling your rumors. Yeah. Okay. So they give some binary options, so you can see if, if you're trying to persuade just one person, they take a step towards friendly or hostile, which is a whole right. arbitrary like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> scale. I'll get every town guard to like me. Yeah. <laughs> And the last one is training to gain levels. In some games, if you've got enough XP to level up, you don't level up until you train. This is an entirely optional rule. You've got to spend some gold and you've got to spend 10, 20, 30 or 40 days, depending on your level. There is a little table on page 131 of the right. DMG. So this is like the hyperbolic time chamber from Dragon Ball Z. Sure. <laughs> the only way to achieve Super Saiyan 2. <laughs> and yeah, that's it. We had to blast through those last few. We are well over time, but that's your downtime activities, your base ones. We're yeah. going to talk more about our takes on them and some yeah, yeah, custom yeah. ones and we, ideas. We're very interested in this as a topic, so I think that it would be more fun to explore this further. So please message us with any kind of like yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, questions or suggestions. Toby at com. You can check us out on Patreon. Yeah, send this episode to some friends. Send it to your group. Send it to your DM. Your mom. Yeah, and she'll go, that's nasty. Yeah, we're really good with moms. <laughs> <laughs> Until next time, au revoir. Bye-bye.